Hey fam, we're back for the third and final installment of the best of's business and careers. Now this is, uh, again, my, one of my faves um, to chat about. I love talking and um, and hearing these sort of guests. Uh, on, on today we have Vincent Aducci, Vin and Ali, Jadon Comerford, Nick Crocker, Gary Jubilin, Sam Gash, and uh, and heaps more. There's, there's a lot of episodes there that we had um, throughout it, but uh, we, we thought we'd highlight these ones because I suppose for, for me personally, there's some messages that I really needed to hear and um, have helped me on my journey with everything as well, which is, has been really cool. I must say as well, um, you know, when we do get feedback from the podcast and I, we haven't spoke to a few people uh, in the BNF episode, Luke, one that, that rings a bell, um, talking about, you know, people that have listened to the show and then they've felt inspired enough and, and given them confidence to go and start their own business. I, I think for me, that could literally be like the best compliment in the world um, to get from anyone. So yeah, just a massive shout out. Not, not that we're doing it for that at all, but just, you know, for, for, to be able to sort of find that and then you guys be able to take a leap of faith and and, and re- work out that no one has any idea what we're doing. Um, you just go and do it. And um, it's really evident through all these people. It's a, it's a common thread throughout that. So first cap off the rank is episode 173 with Vincent Aducci. Push Pull, if you haven't heard of this brand, you've been sleeping under the rock. Uh, they're in Melbourne. They've been absolutely killing it. It's hard to walk down the streets of Melbourne without seeing someone in a Push Pull jumper. Um, young guy, playing footy. And um, also had an incredible opportunity to go and play for the Hawthorne Footy Club and actually turn that down because his business outside of that was going so well. Um, and, and, and not just so well, but obviously saw a, a, a community that he couldn't um, leave behind and, and wanted to to really go hard at that. And I really enjoyed this chat. Um, Jazz doesn't often give me too many sort of compliments and um, she actually really enjoyed this one too. She said, like, for anyone out there that's just doesn't, you know, not quite sure on what they want to do with their life, but want to go out and, and try things and fail fast and go hard, this is the episode. So this was Vinny Aducci from episode 173. We're just young guys. We just want to have fun. Yeah, and and to be transparent yeah. as well with this, which will, I'll, even if you have questions of me today or I yeah, have millions course, yeah. of you, but like, and I'm meaning this in a, in a good way, like you three uh, in the business at the moment, yourself, George and Ed, like you have no skills in this like field, do you? No. And I'm meaning that in like the <laughs> no, no, zero, like, you, like, zero. You are completely unqualified for yeah. what you're doing, as am I. Yeah. Like I have no fucking yeah. idea and I think people know that, yeah. to be honest. But <laughs> I, like there's no qualifications whatsoever that have happened of this and I think that's a beautiful message too. Like yourself who, um, you know, Played some VFL footy, which we'll, we'll get into that story later. Um, I've no idea, fucking idea, what George did. Ed played um, for St Kilda yeah, as well. Yeah. Uh, a bit with Bo- Box Hill Hawks, yeah, and that's where you guys that's met. Where we met. But it's, I think it's, that's a, another cool message. And again, you've sort of said it with holistically. Don't think about this as push pull and doing friends or anything else. Today, think of this as like yeah. if you want to build something. Yeah, hundred percent. If you're listening and you're thinking about fuck, I want to do this, I want to do that. Yeah, these are some pretty candidates here, especially you three, like that you've been able to do this and <laughs> yeah, but I'm really skilled <laughs> and, and you, and you haven't had much. You've just gone out and done it really practiced and just made mistakes. Oh, like I can further shed a bit of light on that. Like I know I finished school. Um, Where'd you, you know, go to school? St. Kevin's. St. Kevsies. So yeah, did my, did my uh, full tenor there. I yep. don't know if that's even a saying. I'm sure it we'll is. run with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so went to school there, finished school, went to schoolies, Came back and I'm going, what like what the fuck am I doing with my mm. life? Like, um, I come from like an Italian background, you know. They're really, you know, my parents and my family have been super supportive to me. Like, family is one of my massive values as well. And you know, they they've supported me. They put me through a really good school, and you know, they've been raised to you know, you, you need to go to university now, and you need to almost get this job, and you know, like, but 
but it's not th- their way of thinking wasn't wrong. It's only the way that they've been taught, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, I'd never, you know, I nev- I'm never angry at the way they try to raise me because you know that's the way that they've been taught. But you know, the times do change, and and that's something that that is really interesting is is people who are brought up in a certain way and they're not used to times changing. It's also on us to also educate them. You know, sometimes we're like, oh, why don't you get this? It should just be like this because we're in this certain time era or period. Um, we also need to educate. And that's something that I know for me, I never really educated my my parents on. Mm. Um, but anyway, going through that. that I, that's a really common thing though, isn't it? For a yeah. lot of lot of people, especially in the entrepreneurial world. I, I, I speak for myself, you know, I, I come from quite a opposite in that my family sort of I think they believed in me too much okay. sort of thing like that. So yeah. I think they just thought I'd work it out. And yeah. But for, for a lot of people, um, it's really hard for that parents going, we want to push you down this way, yeah. push you versus the other way. So how yeah. did you, how did that, was it, how did those conversations go? Uh, it was, it was hard. Yeah. Like uh, there was a time periods there where I was like very, I'm, I'm someone as well as like, if I get told to do something, I'll do the opposite. Mm. Like I need to do, I need to learn myself. I need to, I'm very hands-on. Like if someone says, don't touch the hot boiling kettle, I'm going to touch it yeah. because I, I, I don't know, that's just who I am and I need to figure it out for myself. And that's something I guess like that I struggled with in the early days. Um, however, like, you know, once I sort of decided to rip that, rip the bandaid off and actually show some initiative and, you know, I went out there and this is how I actually start, how I got into Pushball was I went out, I didn't have a lot of money and I brought a screen printing silk press, um, and started screen printing t-shirts and tote bags. And, you know, that's how I started. Like I just went out there, had a couple hundred bucks, brought something, learnt myself, mm. did it and... From from there, like I'm sitting here now because like that's just who I am. I've worked really hard. I have to do things myself, and that's the way I learn. And I think by doing that, I've almost educated like my family. Like that's that's who I am, and I think they realise that and they're super proud of me. And and in saying that, I'm not ever uh, ungrateful for the way I've been raised because I'm super grateful. Like for my heritage, my background, everything that my parents and family have done for me to even get me into, you know, a really good school and all these opportunities with football and driving me here and there, like mm. I'm beyond grateful. But it was just an interesting combination of like, you know, like I just didn't know what I wanted to do. and But I knew there was something out there for me. I just knew it. Mm. Um, but it's, yeah, that's sort of hard to like tell your parents, like like just let me do my thing and I'll, I'll find it and I'll figure it out. And I don't think they ever got that. They're like, oh, do this course now, do that course. And I'd go there and I'd sit in these courses and I'd be like, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah. I don't like, you know, I'd, I've done like three courses and I just would sit there just to almost appease my, my, my parents um, because, you know, like that, that's how I've been raised, to show respect. Yep. Um, and, you know, then from there, I guess, like I, I had enough, ripped the Band-Aid off, brought a screen printing silk press and, the rest is sort of history. <laughs> how um how weird like and again I I, I don't have any uh, children as yet, but I want to one part maybe of reverse advice that I would give to anyone out there that had kids and I, I, t- tell me if you agree with this or not. Yep. But like I think the best lesson you can give your kids is just to, like make mistakes and like mm. make them fuck up as much as possible. Hundred percent. Like um rather than pushing them into certain things, you just got to let them let them learn. Hundred percent. Um, it's funny you it. say that. I, I I don't know where I saw it. I don't know if it was on The Sopranos. Maybe it wasn't on The Sopranos. Yeah. Or it was on like a TikTok. I don't know where it was, but it was like, um, 
I don't want to, like this person said, he didn't want to push his children to do anything. He just wanted to hold his hand to where the child was taking him. Yes. And like, just be there. <laughs> I like that, man. I've got to get goosebumps with that one. No, there's, there, yeah. I, and I bring up, bring up Joe Rogan a lot lately as well, weirdly, because I've been listening to a lot of his stuff, but he was saying the same thing like around, uh, at the moment, they reckon, you know how they talk about our our uh, ilk, like our age demographic yes, that we, yeah. we're sort of not as good as what the old generation was and yes, stuff. Yeah. And they reckon it's a lot to do with we got like over-parented nearly. Okay. They didn't let like people make mistakes. I don't know why we're getting into parenting right now. We're, we're both not parents. But anyway, it's interesting. Make mistakes. Um, but it is super interesting. Like yeah. it's like, well, also this opportunity as well. Like I, I'm a person who's like, I'm very present. I sometimes struggle to like reflect. Hmm. And like even right now, I feel like it's like I'm feeling like I'm reflecting a lot more, which is something that like I feel like I need to do more. And yeah, it's like it's a it's a I don't know. I feel very comfortable. I know that's good. Right now, I just feel very comfortable. It's like I don't even know why we're talking about this stuff, but like just reflecting on like stuff that has allowed me to get to where I'm sitting here right now, mate. Yeah. It's it's a good process. Like I don't know if anyone's still listening to this, but when you <laughs> sometimes like I saw a really funny, funny meme the other day and it was like podcasting was invented for men to talk about their troubles with other men. It's like, you know, we have to record it and let everyone else listen yeah, to yeah. it versus just doing it. Yeah. And I think for me, like that's been the most beautiful part. It's like I would never do this if I wasn't doing it for a job, you know. Like yeah. I think about things, you learn from other people. Yeah. These, this is such an incredible experience for one, for me, just to pick your brain, learn about things, you know, learn about you the way you've done things, all those sort of things. But also for, for me to think back to other shit that I've done, how yeah. it work, all those yeah. sorts of bits. So I, I honestly reckon like putting your phone down and just going and chatting with people, getting coffee, learning their story is yeah. the best like best advice I could give anyone just to learn 100%. shit from other people. So there you have it. That was Vinny. Check that pot out. There's plenty of good uh, lessons in that one and um, one that we'll definitely see a lot more of. Uh, as I mentioned, Vinny's going to help me out with a lot of the more green stuff we're keen to do next year too. So watch this space in on that front. Um, next up, in episode 166, Vin and Ali. Again, look, I think if you're listening to these episodes, you must listen to a couple. And I've, I've mentioned Ali a lot lately, a good friend of mine that has um, has had a massive impact on me. And, and as soon as we met, he said, you've got to meet my mate Vin. And and Vin recently, look, since we met, Vin is like one of the world a world-renowned uh, public speaker. And he goes and travels all over the world to do public speaking and specializes in um, communication of people and and um, and does some incredible talks and um yeah, it was just, it was an awesome time. We went over to Adelaide and we all just teed it up and had a bit of a chat with, with these two guys and just vibed off um, some energy. And I think the one thing that really stood out from this was there's a really cool story that uh, Vin talks about how he wanted to gain someone's um, attention and be able to learn off someone. And and uh, I'll let him tell the story in this snippet and uh, we'll talk about it after this. There is one lovely, incredible story I've heard you tell about how you met a really good friend of yours now. Yeah. And it's borderline restraining order type situation. <laughs> but I think it's such well, a good story because it shows that these sometimes it's not all comfortable. You will get backlash. You will yeah, get people yeah, that yeah. say no. You will get people that turn you away. Yeah. It's, it, you have to be persistent. And, and I guess I want to use an example that's relevant, right? Because yeah. Ali... How did how did I get to know Ali? I know yeah. I joked around yeah. at the beginning saying that, oh, I don't know how I met this guy yeah. either. But I do remember. And I, I reflect on that. And I, yeah. I sent you a picture of the message yeah, yeah, yeah. you first sent me when yeah. we first met. So yeah. I spoke at a conference where he saw me speak. And then I get a message from this guy, uh, Ali Tarai. I'm like, who is this guy? Yeah. And then Four I- Four followers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, I better check this out. 
four in the Asian culture means die, by the way. Yeah. So, so then I, I, I reached, he reached out to me and he said, hey man, loved your speech. I've, I've gone ahead and put your name forward to a conference that's happening in, I think it was Boston. Yeah, in Boston, yeah. In Boston, and I hope you get it because you're freaking amazing at what you do. And, and what he did for me was that I, I just started my speaking career and I wanted to speak more. And then I got that gig in Boston because he pushed me f for that gig and then I got it. And I was like, who the hell is this guy? Why would he help me like that? And, and, it, and it, wasn't, it wasn't kind of a low level effort help. It was help that was aligned with a goal that I'm trying to achieve. So that, that kind of help that he gave me meant so much to me. And, and I think a lot of the times we don't, we, we forget when we want somebody else in our lives, we want it for our own selfish reasons. Mm. I want that person because they're gonna better my life. Mm. And then what do we all do? And we've all done this, I've done this. And what we do is send an email. Hey Ali, mm. I know you're busy, but do you have 15 minutes so I can pick your brains for a coffee? Mm. And I'm not, I'm not saying you shouldn't do that, right? But, but that's, we go to low levels of effort when we do these things equate to low levels of conversion, <laughs> right? Whereas what Ali took time, he had to write down all my details into this HubSpot keynote reference thing. He, he you know, he gave my website, gave video links to everything I did. And then he, and then he proposed me as a speaker and I got, I, got, I got the gig, right? So I think we have to think, hmm. how can we give in a meaningful way to the other person? because that's the fastest way to build connection. Awesome. But you've got to give in a meaningful way. You know, don't, don't, don't buy me a $50 voucher for, for, for alcohol because I actually don't drink, right? It, it's, and I've had people do that before. You know, people meet me and they go, you know, we've got you the most beautiful bottle of wine. We want to, I don't drink and I don't drink alcohol, but thank you. You know, that's really nice. You know what I mean? So I think we've got to put more thought and the reason you, the, I know the reason why I do brought this up is because to, to reach out to, multiple people that I've reached out to. I, I go heavy on the front. Yeah. <laughs> I get heavy on the front, right? You got some awesome. So, so one, of, one, of my, one of my best friends in my life, Matthew Mihilovich, uh, an incredible entrepreneur. Uh, you know, for me to get his attention, he, he wrote a book at the time. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to buy a thousand of his books, right? And it was a lot of money at the time. That was all, most of my savings. But then I, I, I did it, sent him a photo with me and all the books. And then I had a lot of books to give away after that, right? And, but then what I did was, and the reason I did that was because I knew he wrote a book and that he wanted, mm. he wanted his book to impact the world. So I thought, all right, well then every time I do a speech, I'll give away his books free at my speeches, right? And then what was crazy was people was, were getting me to sign his book which was hilarious. So then I had videos of me signing his book That's and I right. sent it to him so and he loved it. And, and, and the, the most beautiful friendship has came as a result. And, and I think it's often, we want to take first, whereas the move is, I believe, mm. give first. Oh, I'm so guilty, so guilty yeah, me of too, always too. asking. We I all like ask, that, but yeah. we're all like that, man. Yeah. We're all like that and it's okay, we're human. But it, it makes it so much more obvious now that, you know, with the relationship that I've got with Ali, like, I don't think I've ever done anything for him. Mm. He's always he's, he's put, been telling me. No, but that's no, incorrect. But he's you been, have, he's been telling he's me. Always that, just done things to me. You know, <laughs> no, like, it's really I feel terrible now. No, but you have though, man. Like, it, and this is good relationships mm. organically end up having a very positive exchange of value, right? Like the other day, like you referred like an amazing footballer to join Future Golf. Mm. Like we're doing this podcast. You were creating content for us in the British Open, mate. Don't, it might be yeah. subtle. Let me, let me tell you it what you give him. Yeah, I, can tell you, I can tell you what you give yeah, him. Yeah. I can tell you because I, I know this guy. This, Ali is a very logic driven guy. 
he's a very logic-driven guy. The same reason he's connected to you is a very similar reason why he's connected to me. Is we bring emotion, we bring connection, we bring heart. I know it sounds egotistical shit for me to say that, but I know that's what I bring into his life and I know that's what you bring. Mm. Just sitting here with you for the last hour now, mm. you have so much heart. You have so much kindness and love. You have so much self-awareness. You have so much emotion. You have so much connection. That's what he wants. I have a pea heart. I'm trying to grow it. But, but that's the thing is that we, we, we're all starving something. Yeah. We all yeah. want something. And I know that's what, that's what he's drawn to with you. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's, that's probably one of your superpowers. And it's probably why your listeners listen to you is because they're starving connection. They, they, they want that authentic connection. Yeah. You know, and, and, and then that, dude, that's, it's so hard to come by. It really is. And, do one of the things you have, you've got that in spades, brother. You know, it's in your voice, it's in the way you speak, it's in the way you look, it's in the way you listen. It's in everything that you do and it's beautiful, man. Yeah, so that's what he gets. So he's getting a lot. That's true. <laughs> if anything, is, he needs to give you more. And yeah. you guys, like for, and for the, call yeah. it like if we're going by character types, like for my character type, finding humans like you guys, <laughs> I'll call you humans because I just want to disassociate <laughs> for a little bit. <laughs> It's, it's extremely difficult. You guys are yeah. rare. You're very rare, like in terms of having that mixture of, you know, the emotional intelligence, call it, but then also being able to combine it with mastery in, in your space. So for me, like, I love that combo and I always try to surround myself. That's my sort of type. Like, I don't really care about people who are good at business or just very logical minded because probably going to not really add too much more to it it's finding those differences and i love what you said there because for people that are listening like make a little list of the things that you're looking for if you've got that level of self-awareness like who is it in your life that you want to bring into it and then what can you really i love how you front end those things like i'd never met anyone that did moves like what he pulled off, like buying a thousand books. You've so done heaps cool. of them, right? The level of research you've done when you've contacted and reached out to people. And Vin showed me that there's such a great return on that investment. And most people don't go past writing a message or an email. You're not going to stand out. Like if you really want to go and meet somebody or have a chance at building a relationship or a connection with them, like whatever you're thinking the time, effort, monetary investment is, times it by about a hundred. And that probably will give you a better chance where it's nearly a no brainer for them to be able to be like, you know what, I'm going to allocate some time, some energy, some bandwidth to this person. And there you have it. That was 166 with Vin and Ali. Definitely go and check this out. If you've got any admiration of, uh, if you've got any aspiration, sorry, in trying to start something, um, this is such a cool podcast to learn from and, and I really, really enjoyed it. I love that part that, you know, we heard then that he speaks about of, of what, you can bring to someone and you know not just asking for help but how can you help someone first and I, I was really guilty of this as a young guy I just ask people for coffees and their time and not realizing that you know that's actually not beneficial for someone else for me to do that so I've, I've tried to get better in this space and you know bring people into my life but also think what can I actually what value can I provide them sometimes um, and that doesn't have to be a big thing it doesn't have to be going and buying their books or anything like that it can just be a little intro or, or just even the awareness of trying to help them is, is a great gesture as well so um, yeah really really got a lot out of that chat next up 155 another person that's been a huge uh, inspiration and mentor for me Jaden Comerford um, Unified Music uh, founder and owner of that, of that incredible business and um, yeah, he talked through how he, he started his business and, and all the uh, people that they've been able to sign up and what they're doing these days. And, and this story, uh, how he discovered uh, Vance Joy, 
obviously one of our favorite sort of artists in Australia, is pretty, pretty cool. So um, check it out. One day my little brother called me up and he said, oh, one of my mates just recorded a new song that I want to send to you. And I was like, oh, who is it? He said, oh, it's James. I was like, oh, James, yeah, James Keogh. Didn't know he was making music, but that's cool. Yeah, send it over. And the song was Riptide um, by Vance Joy. And it was it was a funny moment because I, uh, I don't know why I did this, but the first thing I did after I finished listening to the song was I stood up and I shut my door. And I was in the office, so I don't know who I was trying to hide this from. <laughs> but I was like, oh, my freaking God. Yeah. Like I've just found something that, you know, as far as I knew at that point, it was like me, James, and my brother were the only people that knew about it. So I'm going to shut the door so no one else finds out. <laughs> I just got goosebumps then when you told that story. I got his number off my brother, Aaron, um, and I I called James and he didn't answer because um, he was a gardener at the time. And he called me back shortly after five o'clock when he'd finished work. And uh, and he was stoked to hear from me and I was, I was stoked to hear from him because I was starting to get stressed. He was playing a little tapas bar on Smith Street called Babita, which isn't there anymore. Um, we went down there and, uh, you know, there was probably like eight, eight people having their dinner and he's just in the corner playing a few songs and all of a sudden he plays a riptide and everyone's like, what the hell is that? Um, and yeah, kind of the rest is history really. Um, we pretty quickly took him overseas and started meeting different like big labels over there. And um, it's a, it, it was definitely a, like a, in, some people say overnight success, but it was, you know, a very long night. Yeah, it's a 30 year overnight success. Yeah, exactly. And so it'll be 10 years this year since we started working with James. So, um, you know, a long, a long time in in the scheme of a lifetime, but, Mm. you know, a lot has been achieved in that time. Oh, he's just an absolutely incredible story. And yeah, from all reports, like it's in that mutual, I feel like maybe he's just got that thing about him being Australian. And and I feel like everyone thinks they know him. Like you, you feel like you are connected to him and obviously played footy as well. So like every time, I see him. I'm just like, fuck, that's, that's Vance Joy. Funny story about Vance Joy though. Um, we talk about music and I, I think like the most incredible part about it and just a funny story about that in particular was when I moved to Sydney. Um, and this is why I love music so much. You can really like put soundtracks to your life and like when a song hits you at a certain time, it means so much in different ways. And I remember when I left footy, I'd just um, gone to, uh, from Carlton, you know, really like weird time in my life. I was really stressed. I had no fucking idea what I was going to do. And I just got this opportunity that I don't even know to this day. I wake up sometimes and think if that didn't happen, I don't know where I'd be. So I remember going to the airport. I literally found out I was going to the Giants. Within like two hours, I was on a flight. And there was all this like thing about the flight and I was just, my head was buzzing and I was jumping on this um this Qantas flight and I just didn't know where I was, had no idea what was going on. And I remember seeing this guy being like, fuck, I know that guy. And normally I'd always go up and say hello to someone if I know them. But I was at that time, I was like, oh, no, nah, I'm just moving to Sydney. Like, I'm just in my head, just got to do this. And as soon as I got off the plane, I realised it was Vance Joy. <laughs> and ever since like that moment, I was like, fuck, I'm going to listen. Like, you know, I was listening to all his music. So all like nostalgically, Riptide, like just brings back that time of my life has got such a special moment to it. And I suppose where I'm going with this in a very long-winded speech is that that song can mean something completely different to what it means to me. But I love the fact that whatever happens, like it's still connected to me in that way yeah. um, with him. So you can pass that on if you like. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Yeah. And that's the beauty of music. Like yeah. it's a soundtrack to our lives. You know, we can't, we could try to live without it, but we'd struggle to live without music, I think. Well, imagine like that's one person that's listening to that song. Imagine the hundred of other million people that have a different 
resemblance to that song for them. Yeah. And that's why it's so crazy. Totally. So yeah, that was Jadden. Uh, imagine that. Imagine discovering, uh, you know, Vance Joy at that stage and, and to see what he's gone and done now. I wonder if they'd be surprised or not. It's it's pretty incredible. would still love to bloody get Vance on the show one day. That's a massive goal for us in 2023. Next up, another incredible business mentor and, and someone that's been an unbelievable love and support for, for the show and the business. Um, giving so much advice and such an such a just intelligent guy, lovely person, has so much time for everyone. Number one three one, Nick Crocker. Um, these are the episodes, and I've mentioned a bit where Nick probably didn't have the public profile. A lot of these people have, like you know, publicly in terms of sport, but in the four walls of business, this guy is like the LeBron James of the business world in Australia. He's got an incredible. Uh, business. He's a, a general partner at Blackbird Ventures, which have been one of the biggest uh, Australian venture capitalist uh, funds, and and they've put over incredible amount of money um, into some crazy, crazy businesses like your Canvas and your Koalas and your Eucalyptuses, which are, you know own Pilot and the like. So um, super impressive. I met Nick, who was a really good friend of Matt DeBoer. And then when Nick, when I moved back to Melbourne, we ended up having a few coffees together and he gave some support to me. I was like, mate, I need to get this guy on the show. It's it's selfish if I don't share the messages that he's been giving to me, um, to everyone else. So yeah, in this snippet, he spoke about the Elephant uh, Group, which has been a really cool thing of his that he started, which basically is getting some people together that have similar goals and, and journeys and, and at that same mindset, all in different spaces too, and, and, how to, and how to keep each other accountable. So here it is. Talk us through Elephant Group. Yeah, so the elephants just go back to elephants. how did I get from where I was Please, to where yes, I am. Yes, yes. The elephants is so there's a there's an article I wrote about this from 2013, and it's one of the most rewarding things in the world to put something out. And you must get this too, where you put I put something out in 2013, and people still email me from all around the world about it. Like we'll have regularly. this in show notes as well. And it's really just a simple concept, which is like I said before: find what you want out of life, tell a small group of people what you want out of life, get their feedback. So it has to be a group of people you trust and then meet up every 12 weeks, every quarter and check in on how you're going and then build this small group that's super high trust, like super, super high trust. And so the measure of that is tell each other what your bank account balance is, tell each other, you know, how you're going in your relationship, including the stuff that you're not as happy with or as proud of. So like super high trust group. So it should be a high bar. You can't just have an elephants group with anyone and then just work with that group over time because once you've told them once, twice, 15, once you've met them with each as a group 15 times, their ability to give you feedback on whether you're being you or whether you're doing the, what you, whether you are being true to yourself, whether you are on the path you want to be on, that's so powerful. And so for me, it's, it's the, the, the elephants is just a, a structure of how to kind of put a support group around you in a world where there aren't natural places to go for that kind of thing. I'm imagining this now and I'm like putting it in my own head and I'm sure everyone listening is thinking, fuck, who would you have in your group, like in your network, like I'm thinking. Is it, would you suggest like if someone was to go and do this, would it necessarily be, not necessarily be like your friends, like that even their good impacts on you, it might not be them because it might be too close to home. Like it might be something that's too connected, like, you know. It just comes down to like that extreme vulnerability. Yeah. To say something like, I want to, you know, like I, I have a friend who I'm really close to and he's super motivated by being famous and- that could be, you could be, re- if you go and say that to your mates, I, I genuinely want to be famous. Imagine how much shit you would get. Mm. But he's decided that's true for him. That's an important thing to him. So it's about, it could be mates. It could be people who aren't mates, but it's actually about people who you can trust to be super vulnerable and then that you can reciprocate that vulnerability. Yep. And so it's 
it's actually going just just almost running through your mental list of friends and just going who could i have the most awkward conversation with and still trust that they'd be okay at the end of it mm. what have you got out of it like is any like I'm not saying there must be one certain thing, but is there a time where you went in thinking, all right, this is really good, I'm going to do this, everyone's going to love it, and they just you walked out going, oh, fuck, I didn't see that one coming. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of what it's like every time. And because when you have that level of vulnerability, you get back some pretty honest feedback. Hey, I heard the way you talked about that, and that doesn't sound like something that you say. And then you're kind of like, it rocked like oh shit yeah i'm not owning up i'm not being the person that i want to be i mean the probably the biggest impact for me came at the start where i had a group of people who were like you're not a journalist you're not a shitty lawyer actually you're an entrepreneur get on the path just go and do it and i remember i was just like i, I remember i had enough savings to pay two like for sort of two months and i remember taking myself for a walk by the river in prison i was like do i start this business or not and i was like what happens if after eight weeks I've run out of all my money. And I was, and I was, so I called them. I was like, what happens if I run out of all my money? And um, Simon, who, who took the call, he's like, who cares? You'll figure it out. Like, you're, like, you'll figure it out. And I was like, I don't think I can do this, but they seem to think that I can do it. Mm. So I'm just going to listen to them in this case and ignore <laughs> my own instincts on this because there's something here that makes me think like, maybe I just don't, I'm um, making this decision. And so it was, it was actually just like them just pushing me off, off the ledge for the first time. I remember the first contract I got, which was inside the eight weeks, I, I was like, what's the biggest number I could think of to charge for this bit of work? It was $4,400. And one of the guys came up and he's like, mm, nah, and he delivered it and wrote 14,400 and I was just like this is so embarrassing like they're gonna the client's just gonna say no way no chance I sent it off and they said yep let us know when to pay it I was like (sighs) and so it was that early kind of like like they they enriched me with their kind of bravery and boldness which I probably didn't have enough of at the time How, how cool is that when you are surrounded by people like that that are so comfortable and probably like you know, believe in their self as much as then they can project it on someone else. Because I know, you know, like two years ago, if someone came to me with help, there's still that competitive in me that'd be like, fuck this guy. I'm not going to help you. Like, I've got to help myself. But I suppose now from learning and growing up, there's a bit where you really want to help people. You get to a stage where, like, not that I'm killing or anything, but you go like, I get to a stage where now I really get it out of helping people where sometimes you know people might not have your best interest at heart. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's the whole purpose of the elephants is can you find that group around you that mm. do have your best interests and are willing to push you? Yeah. It's not easy to do that, but it's worth fighting for because if you have it, you've, you've got something super special. And that same special. group is, okay, how long have you had that group for? So to my point earlier about like moving, so the original group, was the group I walked in and wow. met and wrote about for the first time. That was yeah. the original Elephants group. Um, but when I moved to the US, it became harder and harder to maintain that. And so I got a new group of elephants when I moved to the US. And now I'm... I don't have an elephants group today because that kind of I've moved back and everyone's got kids. So like it's been a huge reflection for me over the break is, you know, I've had a decade of it. So I've got a huge benefit from it. I'm sort of my own group yep. now. Like I, I do, I still do all the rituals. I still write a quarterly update with all of my key met, like full breakdown of everything that happened over the last 12 weeks. But I just send it to my coach now. So I've got a lot of the disciplines, yeah. but I'm still like, here's the challenge, right? Is as you grow, you become a different person. And so the things that you need from the people around you change. And so I'm, transparently like i'm in a phase now of looking for who's that next group of people that i'm going to surround myself i'm, I'm lucky with how great my colleagues are but i think colleagues are tr- sometimes a tricky group to have in elephants because there's some, some mismatched incentives exactly. or some yeah. crossover there again can you be extremely vulnerable and so i'm in that transition phase of like who's that next cohort that that i'm going to put around me mm. what's next for you man you seem like 
you've got some awesome things ahead of yourself. Yeah. Um, there's some big things. Like, is there anything that you can sort of tell, tell us about at the moment? Like, have you found, I know it's only early in the year, but have you found that one yet? Is there something that's coming or? So, like, I think of my number one job in life is to be a good dad to my yep. boys. And there's Which, like, I see you on your bike with your boys. How many Ks are you doing a month <laughs> at the moment, like, with them? Listen, like, <laughs> being a good dad is actually, like, mostly, like, very mundane and just about the time that you put in. Like, you know, I, I'm reasonably productive in most elements of my life, but you can't compress the time you spend with your kids to be like, right, I'm going to give them the very best 15 minutes of the mm. day and then I'm going to work. It's like, no, no, they want two hours of your attention and if they get two, they want three. Like, it's kind of an end, there's endless elasticity in how much attention and love your kids want. So I kind of have chosen to build my life around that, which is, and, and of course my wife, Jules, and I, that's a, that's a shared thing. So when I say being a great dad, I have to be a great partner to her, to be a great dad to them, for Jules, her to be- Jules is a surgeon? She's a hematologist. Hematologist. Yeah, yeah. Blood. Blood. I, don't, I couldn't explain hematology to yeah. you in any meaningful way, but- I could, but we'll do it next oh, time. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh no! No, not really. Yeah, she's um, she's unreal. Yeah. So, so Family. that's that's yep. so like, and so I built, I actually build my life around that. Which again, if you like, if you want to be a good dad, it's not about the Instagram photos of going for a ride. Mm. It's like sitting down with him yesterday when he's hangry and losing his mind because he can't figure out whether he wants to watch the TV or play chess. Like, and he's freaking out about it. And you're like. No one in no one talks about parenting. People are only if you're not a parent, you know what it's like. If you are a parent, you're like, oh, it's the Instagram photos. But actually, being a parent is all in these tiny moments and in just. I'm not that patient, so I've had to work super hard to be patient. And so that's kind of the kind of core of of. And there's also like that sounds like oh, being a dad, that's such a good thing. But like, there's trade offs that come with that. Like, there's a cost to to making that. And then I've fit work around that, which is a pretty cool thing to be able to say. Most jobs don't let you do that. Um, and then that's kind of it. That's like 110% of what I can give every week is taken up by work and family. And so, you know, this is, this, there's just, we're, Blackbird itself is growing so fast. Mm. Like we were eight people two years ago and we're 50-ish people today. And that just requires a lot of support and work. And, and then, you know, I started this with no companies that I've invested in five years ago and now I've got 10 or 15. And so I'm just trying to survive, get, get by, help everyone that I you kind of have promised to help and uh i don't know i'm right in the eye of the storm with young kids though like again you 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 will be here soon i assume which I is so. yeah. when you when you are when you have young kids like you just feel like you're in a you're in a cyclone and i'm still in the cyclone a bit with them so there you have it that was nick crocker the elephant uh story is unbelievable there's also another one in there that we'll we'll debate to put in two of the, the floss the key uh, floss the teeth that you want to keep um definitely go back and have a listen to that episode there's just so much gold in there and again that's one that we really get a lot of feedback from um really consistently as well next up gary jubelin what are you are you thinking here what is gary jubelin crime podcasts are doing in careers and business but in saying that i think there was a massive important message that gary um shared in this episode 137 if you don't know who gary is he's uh one of the australia's most decorated homicide detectives of all time um, he's been over some of the most high-profile murder cases, disappearance, disappearances in Australia, and the story was, you know, ninety percent talking about his crimes and how to do that sort of stuff, which was incredibly, incredibly um, interesting and, and and crazy to get that sort of access to someone like him. But there was another little part of it that I really enjoyed, and was talking about when he was let go from the police force, and if you want to find out why, please please go and listen to that. 
story, but he was sort of a bit of a crossroad in his life. And um, from that, you know, he's now got one of the biggest crime podcasts, true crime podcasts in Australia, which is unbelievable to think, you know, going from such a industry where you're working in something so private into then flipping it's like your life on your head, moving into a different career and starting something totally different and absolutely dominating that space. And I thought it was such a cool message of like, you know, it's not what happens, it's how you react to it. Um, and one door, when one door closes, another one opens. And he's gone now and just dominated two completely different fields. And I think anyone can probably take that message into their life. And I'm sure when you, you reflect on yourself, you think that, you know, there might be something in you that has that sort of journey in itself too. So yeah, I think it was really, really cool. I really love this story and um, hit me in the feels. Check it out. I was fortunate. I was offered opportunities with um, uh, the um, News news Corp, Sunday Telegraph, and writing. And uh, that was terrifying. Like the first article I wrote mm. for the Sunday Telegraph, it was like doing a uni assignment and uh, the whole state's going to read it. And I wish I paid more attention at school in English. because, <laughs> And it was only a small article, but it took me forever to write. And uh, I thought, okay, and I, I've sent it off. And uh, a, a person who's been a really good uh, mentor for me, Claire Harvey, I sent it, uh, sent the article to her, and I just got a response back going, oh, good. Uh, oh, no, I've got the I've got the article. I'm thinking, oh, that's really positive. And then I was catching the uh, train into work, and I'm thinking, oh, I'm an idiot. I can't write. I'm, yeah, this is going to be embarrassing. But she, in fact, liked the article and uh, helped me developing a writing style. So I've I've enjoyed that. And then with the podcasts, the podcasts have been great. Like I, I really enjoyed doing the podcast that uh, started off just interviewing police, but now I'm interviewing you know, other people, as we talked about. And uh, I'm, I'm enjoying it. But uh, I, And I've just finished uh, uh, doing some work with 60 Minutes as well So uh, and writing a book. And all these things have come to me because of what happened, which I thought was my lowest point mm. in my life, what happened to me in the cops. And it's just changed my life completely. And I think it's all about attitude. Like I, I could have been I, I could have been bitter and twisted. And I've gone, nah, look, maybe this is a good thing. And it probably, yeah, I won't say this publicly, even though I'm talking on a <laughs> podcast, it's probably the best thing that happened right. to me. Because if I if I stayed in the cops, I would have died in that job because there would always be another another case uh, to work on. But I do regret leaving cases there was cases that I, I wanted to finish and I regret that um, I don't have the opportunity to pass on the expertise I, I, I had the expertise because there wasn't one day that uh, I turned up at work I didn't learn something and I still had the energy and that's a good combination when you've got the energy and the experience and that's where I was at when my career was taken away but uh, I'm, I'm enjoying uh, enjoying life and uh, yeah for the people that, um, yeah, and there were people that deliberately brought me down. This is my form of revenge. Mm. Um, I'm saying I'm, I'm living a good life. I'm enjoying myself. And uh, I've just uh, finished a uh, tour around the country doing a live stage show. And <laughs> if anyone told me I was going to be, um, you know, performing, and I think that's what you do. I, I was calling the dressing room the change room because I wasn't, <laughs> I was so out of my depth. But uh, I've been doing this show with uh, called I Catch Killers Live with my friend Rob Carlton, who's a professional actor, and he's a, he's a really good mate. And before we walked out to a packed Enmore Theatre on a Saturday night, he's in the dressing room, as distinct from a change room, that you call them dressing rooms in the theatre world, 
and he's doing voice practicing and you know <laughs> warming warming up. I didn't know what to do, so I started shadow boxing just to get rid of the adrenaline. It, it was a bizarre experience, <laughs> but I, I I laugh at myself in the things that the doors that have opened up because of what was a what was a bad experience. But I I think. And yeah, we talked about uh, Caleb uh, Baker and and other people that uh, yeah. Sometimes the things that almost destroy you are the things that make you. And, if you uh, react to it well, yeah. Well, that's that's a good point, isn't it? Because yeah, that's that's probably what I respect and love about your story the most. And when I say your story, it's probably that crucible moment. Not so much the all the work you've done in the police, which is incredible yeah. in itself, which is something different. But that crucible moment of people trying to chop you down the whole time you're fighting against it they're maybe looking like they've got their way by getting you out yeah and you go let's not be bitter let's be better yeah and in a way as you said you've repaid that um that faith in yourself to then go bigger and better in your next career yeah it's a bit it's the best form of revenge as you said yeah it, it is and what it's it's invigorate I, I like to challenge myself and like i'm doing things that are so far out of my comfort comfort zone i don't know if you experience it when you, you're doing the podcast you're probably thinking i'm a footballer what am i doing sitting here with a microphone in front of me and uh, i was just i i was nervous before i'd, I'd start and uh, and different things but by challenging yourself taking yourself out of your comfort zone and uh yeah like that's like doing the live stage show i'm saying before i walked out to that first show i'm there thinking why have I done this to myself? Mm. And why have I put myself in this position? But now I've, I've got through it and we've enjoyed it and it, it's been fun and I, I'm glad I, glad I did. And you, you grow that little bit more. I love that. It's it's like when you, you know, I, I refer to this when I was playing footy and, and when you're in the police force, you continually pushing yourself. Yeah. And it's not so much you're pushing yourself, but you're in a group that's pushing you and you're forcing yeah. you to do new things. But yeah. when you, you leave that world, the onus is on you. Yeah. And if you stay comfortable, yeah. nothing happens. So yeah. you've got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And that was yeah. probably where I got to, you know, with my own career, I used to do all these massive training camps. Yeah. Where, you know, I was the fittest I've ever been. And yeah. two years later, I'm not doing anything. And I was like, yeah. like, I need to, I went on this hiking camp. I hate hiking. Yeah. yeah. Hated it. Yeah. Hate being away, but I knew that I'm only going to get better if I do things that I don't like doing. Yeah, I, 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 it's interesting you say that because that, that's how I, I felt too, that uh, you can just sit in your comfort zone and then – and I always like to think my best days are ahead of me. Mm. Like, And I, I see friend, friends and people ha- choose different ways to live their life, but I never want to be – my most exciting time in my life was 10 years ago. And, yeah, I, I think for someone like you, like it must be hard being a footballer You've got it's everyone's dream. Like I don't think there's anyone that wouldn't, yeah, run out to a packed stadium and uh, yeah, playing, hanging out with a group of like-minded people. It'd be fantastic. It must be hard to leave leave that. And uh, what what's for life after now? Ooh, and yeah. you you see, yeah, sportsmen that uh, leave and that was their highlight of their life, and you feel sorry for them. That that was my biggest fear, and I think maybe for yourself, similar when you yeah. leave something that you love so much, you think. Is my life going to be shit from yeah. now on? And that was my biggest thing that I ever left going. This, as much as I've loved this, I do not want this to be the highlight of my life. And sitting in a pub one day, going, I remember when I used to do that. You know, yeah. that was that was awesome. Yeah. Um, I wanted my life to just be like on a trajectory, and that's something that I, you know, I've really drawn inspiration from what you've been able to do with yeah. with your career. 
Yeah. Well, it, and it's because it is is confronting when you leave an environment that you've known you've known and respected. And I, I've been fortunate enough. Some of the articles and and with uh, ex-military guys and uh, and different podcasts I've done, where and it was a group called uh, Swiss Eight, and they got a podcast out, and uh, they're one of the ones that I first wrote an article about, and it's ex-combat veterans and how they're coping after they've left the uh, left the army. And what they were talking about, they've lost their tribe. And that's a big part of the problems that people face. And I, I think it's very similar to footballers and police because police was it was a, a little, a little mm. world that uh, you operated on. So when I left it, I, I left my – I felt like my identity was left at the door you know, because I was yeah, the detective. Yeah, that's what That was my persona. That's what people recognised me for or even, even my friends. You know, oh, he's a cop. That that was all left behind. So you, you do have to reinvent yourself. But uh, I, yeah, I've, I'm glad I've I've had the opportunity, and it, it's made me realise policing's a small part of the world, and there's a really big part out of it. And one interesting thing that's really um, where some of my passion is heading now is uh, since I've left the uh, left the police, I'm I'm looking at I'm still looking at crime. But I'm looking at it from a different way, and I found so many people are doing some amazing stuff fighting crime, just as hard as I I fought crime. But they're doing it in a different direction. They're steering kids on the on the right path when they're going off off the rails, or helping prisoners integrate back into society when they they leave prison, or making offenders um, come to terms with the ramifications of their offences. These guys. They don't get any kudos, and they just sort of chip away. But geez, they're doing some uh, some mm. good work, and I, I think they're probably making more uh, impact on crime than I ever could uh, as a cop. Like I, I just that was my case, and I, I'd solve that. And uh, there's one um, in Sydney um, around Redfern. Uh, Shane Phillips does Tribal Warrior, and uh, he gets kids from uh, the uh, Redfern Aboriginal community boxing each morning. And I went along to a session session with them, and geez, it was impressive. You got all these kids. He makes everyone put in, like no one no one's sitting on the sidelines or whatever. Mm-hmm. Everyone gets in, and you rotate, so you you're meeting a lot of people. And then at the end of uh, end of the session, he has your former circle, and uh, he's got uh, young fellas that yeah, you're a teenager, you don't want to talk in, in front of people, uh, talking about uh, what's important and respect and yeah, that awesome. type type of stuff. And I, I just I'm I'm in awe of of that. And last but not least, definitely not least, one of our favourites here at Dylan Friends Community, you will hear a lot more of her name in 2023, Samantha Gash. Loved this chat. Honestly loved this chat. It was so cool. Um, Samantha is just, she's a boss. She's an absolute boss. Former lawyer, survivor, marathon runner, ultra marathon runner, mind you. She makes, uh, she runs incredible distances and uh, raises so much awareness and money for some incredible, incredible social um, awareness, uh, you know, businesses around the world. A lot about you know women's empowerment and also men's mental health too, and how much that imp- how much those two um, things coincide, which is really, really important. But yeah, love this chat from her and hearing her story. A lot like Gary's before, you know, she was a lawyer and then decided to totally flip her career on her head and go into ultra marathon running, like. What the fuck? Where does that even come from? You know, but the way she can speak and articulate herself is is really second to none. Like I was sitting on the edge of every um, word that she was saying, and and really really loved it. There was some great points of just saying yes to things and 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 
just taking that leap of faith and saying yes to certain things. But then later in the show too, she flipped it on her head and gave me a bit of a wowie moment was, you know, once you have said yes to everything and you, you are doing things and you're making that progression in your life, the yes turns into no. And I suppose that's where like I'm probably trying to get a little bit better now and it hit me was like, you, you don't have to say yes to everything because then, you know, you, you're putting all your eggs in different baskets and you're not probably getting the best out of yourself and you need to learn how to say no um, to to opportunities and I really appreciate it and, and learn a lot from that. So here's Samantha Gash from episode 153. We were actually mm. having the same conversation yesterday mm. just on a, on a mini about like what's the sliding door moment in your life where you said yes to or vice versa that maybe you regret now going, fuck, I should have done that. Because for me, um, when I when I left um, my sort of first half of my career, I was just like, say yes to everything. Absolutely, yes, everything. I was doing everything. And I didn't even want to be paid for anything. It was all experience. Because I think when money gets involved, we might be talking about different things, but when money gets involved, there becomes like a, then you have to do well or you have to do something. And I think the money thing at the start, if you're trying to get into a new career or try things and you say yes, there's no expectations. You're doing it for free. So you can do whatever the fuck you want. You can fail, you can be shit, it can be whatever it is. And for me, that was a massive thing. But now I'm at that time where I'm in this like habit of saying yes to everything, but I know now it's actually draining me. Yeah. And saying no is going to be my new yes. Like I've got to slow down and actually focus on the things that are important. But you, can, you know now. The thing I know is like now. because you've said so yes to so much, Everything. you've got an expansion of understanding of how you feel when you do different things. Mm. And so now you can – like I'd almost get this mind map out and kind of write over the last 18 months, what are all the different pockets of things you've said yes to? Mm. And go like, which ones did I really like? And like why did I like it? Did yeah. I like that because I got exposed to these types of people? Or did I like this because it gave me time for myself or it put me in a physical, you know, domain? that I've never been in before um, or did this challenge me like kind of identify what you like and I love we live in this really cool era of like work where you can create you a job. career path yeah. that you want like I mean who would have thought from Dive. your background no that now you'd be crafting conversations with different people adding value to people that you've never met before creating ripple effects that you don't need to know like that's a career it's a, it's a it's like and this is a question for you because I think it's on the right track but did you find out what you wanted to do or did you find out what you didn't want to do? Because I think that's like the beauty mm. in it for like people. Like I think we all come with this idea of like working out our life and we have this idea, but until you work out what you don't want to do, it actually gives you the idea of what you do. So I'm going to say something controversial because I do. used to talk a lot about purpose, but like do we ever really know like our purpose? Like we're always – Changing. We're always changing. We're, and that's the coolest thing about being a human. Like we are designed to evolve. We're designed to go on these unique new experiences and like you think I'm talking about adventures and they're just these physical adventures, but I define adventure as a journey with an unknown outcome. So, you know, parenthood's been the biggest adventure of my life. Um, you know, I, yes, I still, you know, run across countries or I, you know, create a business, but all those things are these extensions of my life and they change who I am. My purpose has stayed relatively the same, but the vehicles in which I choose to fulfil it keep evolving because I keep wanting to test myself and, you know, extend. So I'm really open to trying different things. Like COVID was a great example where there's a lot we potentially lost, but there's a lot we gained. And, you know, I created a new business that I would not have done. I've talked about creating an online business for female in the adventure space for years, but it was only when COVID came and I lost my entire um, two years of work in one week. Mm. It just went. It was like boom, 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 boom. All the phone calls came. No, we're cancelling that booking and that booking. And Mark and I sat down at home and we're like, oh, wow, we have like literally no income coming into the door. 
we like took away our premium Spotify, <laughs> um, you know, like we got down granular, like mm. what don't we need? Lucky we haven't extended ourselves with the home in which we live in and we don't have like assets that we need to keep paying for. But life got simplified and it was this beauty of like, I think that challenges are often gifts in disguise because you get to reimagine. And so it's like if all the balls are being thrown up in the air now because everything's gone, like which ones am I choosing in this particular moment? But that could change in two years' time. So during pandemic, I created a podcast and it was, I would say, relatively successful. I enjoyed doing it, but it was something I needed during COVID. And now that the world's opened and I kind of get to go back to some of the other things that I really liked but I couldn't do during a pandemic, I don't have time for the Mm. podcast so much. So, you know, but it didn't mean that it didn't serve a purpose and I didn't enjoy it for that time. So the biggest takeaway for me is like be comfortable with fluidity. Be comfortable with like the fact that you might change your direction all the time. And that's excitement for that because it means, you know, like you could go for a promotion, you could change completely different industries. Um, You know, I do a lot of keynote presenting and I had a guy who was just about to turn 50 and he was like the big dog at the business. Um, And I was a bit nervous that like my talk, my talk sometimes gets people, they they leave their job. (laughs) 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 sometimes but it's not about that it's not it's not about just getting people to change their careers it's about opening to think differently Mm. and you know it could be a really great thing for a business so I he said a couple of things to me leading into me speaking in that business that I was like okay I'm going to temper that stuff down just a little bit um but at the end he was the one that wanted to leave so I sat next to him at a dinner and like he's like, I'm about to turn 50. Um, he actually was about to do a marathon. But we had this really great conversation and he's just like, you know, I've got excellent number of kids. I've got this number of houses I've got to look after. Do you think that I could leave this? I'm like, fuck yes. <laughs> he's like, I'm like, oh, she can leave. I'm like, because just because you're leaving doesn't mean you can't go back or doesn't mean you can't do something different. Like we can play and like open up space. And if you do it in a respectful, kind way, like doors potentially, you know, they might not be wide open, but you can keep them wedged open. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so many people don't take risks or daring because they're either constrained by the narratives of their lives that they've crafted from childhood and they're hinging their potential because of that. So if I always thought I'm so small, I'm physically weak, which is definitely how I saw myself, um, I wouldn't have done the world's toughest race. I wouldn't have signed up to do Survivor. Um, Yeah, There's so much I wouldn't have done. But you've You've got to realise that your childhood or the trauma or the baggage that you carry can actually be your secret weapon to move forward versus the thing that holds you back. There you have it, fam. Loved that segment again, um, business and career. I really got a lot out of these ones. I want to do more of these episodes in 2023. Um, just recapping them all again, Vincent Aducci, Vin and Ali, Jad and Comerford, Nick Crocker, Gary Jubilant, Sam Gash, please go check those ones out. Um, They've been a massive impact on me and hopefully on you too. I hope you're enjoying your breaks. Can't wait to get back into it. You might be just getting back into starting work. Hope you're refreshed and uh, and looking after yourselves, getting some uh, quality time in and um, having fun on the weekends. But yeah, really looking forward to the seasons dropping um, soon in, in, a, in a few weeks and getting back into things, getting back into the swing of it. If there's anything you want to hear from or you like these episodes or want to hear more from them, please let us know. Can't wait to get back into the normal programming. Really looking forward to it and uh, can't thank you all enough for your eyes and ears in, in 2022 and now 2023. Love you all.